Welcome to the NinjaCast. Today's broadcast is being brought to you live from Jimmy Hoffa's final resting place. It is our absolute pleasure to bring you our special guest, former FBI agent Jeff Lanza. Grab your beverage of choice, sit down, and let's chat. Well, welcome to the podcast again. And, you know, just as always, I always have the same line for you guys. It says, hey, I'm, I'm thrilled to have someone on today that, that I admire and enjoy chatting with. And again, it's completely true. Uh, I have an FBI, former FBI agent and uh, a colleague that I have spoken with on several occasions. And it's Mr. Jeff Lanza. Jeff? Hey, Van. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast and um, just just happy to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. You know, I, I, I got so many emails about, hey, you know that guy, Jeff Lanza, that talks about all that really cool cybercrime? Could you get him on there? And I was like, well, let me find out. So, you know, sure enough, all those of you who sent notes, he is here today. So, uh, you know, I'll throw out a couple of questions that, that I've got because I don't really do the interview thing. I just want to have the conversation. But sure. tell me what your perfect Friday is. Perfect Friday for Jeff. Uh, well, I can tell you, I uh, would be taking a nice uh, bike ride in the, in the morning on a beautiful day, preferably out by the by the water or the Long Island Sound where I'm where I am today. Cool. Um, and uh, getting some exercise in and just enjoying the fresh air and riding a bike, which is one of my favorite hobbies. And maybe having, uh, you know, a little lunch on the patio um, with my wife. And then uh, in the afternoon, maybe just going down to the beach or walking the dogs and taking them to a dog park. And then coming back and having a, a cold uh, brew or something. <laughs> around. And, uh, then maybe some seared scallops on the grill and then watching some Netflix uh, you know, shows in the evening. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, simple. It's not anything complicated. It's not anything. <sighs> not taking nice. a somewhere. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how long it's going to take me to get there for scallops. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. You know, as I think about, uh, you know, I've got one that's 20 now. He's in about to start his third year at Elon. And, you know, he's constantly having the conversations about maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe I want to do this. What what made you decide to become an FBI agent, Jeff? You know, I, I was working for, first of all, let me, I'll start from the beginning. I, I, yeah, wanted, sure. I wanted to be an FBI agent. Since I was a little kid, I, I, I mean, I grew up in the 60s and, and in the 70s when I was a teenager, sure. I was uh, watching uh, uh, t- television shows back in the 60s that were about the FBI, a, fa- a very famous show, a popular show at the time on Sunday evenings uh, mm-hmm. called FBI and it started an actor named Zef- Ephraim Zimelish Jr. It was basically it competed with Lassie and the wonderful world of Disney. And uh, those three shows were on at the same time. I couldn't decide what to watch. <laughs> I changed from Lassie to Disney and then finally <laughs> FBI. But, uh, you know, uh, this was J. Edgar Hoover's public relations machine. I mean, he approved. Wow. Every, yeah. Every okay. Trip. Uh, it definitely said good. It, it portrayed good things about the FBI. And, and as a, as a kid, you know, this time I'm 10 or 11 years old. I said, oh, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So I kind of kept that idea hmm. as, as I got a little bit older. Uh, my dad worked at, my dad owned a business. Uh, it was a little variety store in Connecticut. And uh, I used to work in my dad's store. And one day, uh, it was 1978, as a matter of fact, now I'm in my teen years and I find 
Mm-hmm. The newspaper that had been delivered by the by the delivery truck, and it had a, a headline on the front page of the New York Post, and it said five million dollar heist at JFK, and it was if you've seen the movie Goodfellas, it's all mm-hmm. about it, part of the movie's plot is about that heist, and so I read the article as a teenager. And I'm reading and seeing the FBI is the lead investigative agency on that case, and and mm-hmm. and to put it in perspective, that would be about twenty million in today's dollars. Oh yeah. Oh, then I was 16. I was 16 when that came out. I remember the day it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. uh, Bold. I mean, they didn't rob a business. They didn't rob a bank. They robbed an airport. (laughs) Exactly. That's it's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Being, being, you know, uh, like being the mob, they were uh, they pretty much just they ruined a good thing. I mean, most of the people that were involved in that were either caught right away or killed by some of the member, other members of the mob because they were, they were afraid they were going to talk and they, they were too, too blatant in buying stuff uh, with all the money that they got, ex- basically exposing themselves to scrutiny by law enforcement. And uh, the last guy that got arrested in that case was many, many years later uh, was actually acquitted, but uh, most of them had already been killed or uh, put in jail long before that, uh, that last guy, which it's like- got to go. It's got to go weird, Jeff, to go from driving a Volkswagen bus to a Lincoln Continental with suicide doors. You know, that's going to kind of be a red flag there somewhere. Where'd you get that? Well, you know, pops and uh well, in, in, in the movie, uh, one of the guys, if it's true, I, I assume it is, one of the guys bought this big, uh, big either white or pink Cadillac, I forget, and uh, he said, hey, look at my new car, and, and, and Robert De Niro, who played one of the mobsters in the movie, is like, is like what the hell are you doing? Why'd you buy that car? You, you right. kidding me? And he got really yeah. mad. You know, that that kind of stuff. And anyway, so so that was the second phase. And then uh, another thing happened in my life to want me to become an FBI agent. And, and this is a little bit strange, but my family had a very weird tradition on every Christmas. We used to sit around the TV on uh, every, all of us, five boys in my big Italian family. We'd watch sure. a movie. We'd watch a movie on Christmas Day that taught me about life and loyalty and how business should be conducted. Mm. And, and everybody thinks, oh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart. I go, are you kidding me? No, that's a good movie. That's not the movie. <laughs> the one that we watched that taught me about life, loyalty, and how business should be conducted was, was The Godfather. You know, ver- version one of The Godfather, that, that three-hour the real, long. The real Godfather, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that got me interested in the mob. I mean, not, not joining the mob, but <laughs> <laughs> investigating the mob. All right. So then that happens. And uh, and then later on, uh, I got I got out of college and I wasn't qualified to be an FBI agent, but uh, I did go get a master's degree in business and got a great job with Xerox working Mm -hmm. on computers, basically in their in their computer printing division. And I enjoyed that for several years. And uh, but then I decided, you know, I really want to be an FBI agent. And that's what I wanted to be since I was a kid. And by that time, I had the background. I had the experience of 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 uh, working with computer systems, and sure. the FBI, FBI kind of recruited mm-hmm. me for that reason. And um, it was a good it was a good job for me. Um, and, you know, it was just what I wanted to do. It was very satisfying, and uh, so that was the genesis of me wanting to become an FBI agent. Hmm. How I how I proceeded down that road. Yeah, you know, I I know that uh, again from everything that that I know. I've got my baby brother's a paramedic. He's got a lot of uh, police officers, sheriffs that are his buddies, just because of the nature of how their careers all intertwine. A lot of detectives and those kinds of things, and it, it's a very intriguing 
kind of thing. You just get really wrapped up into that side of, oh my gosh, what's going on? But the other part too, and the and this is part of the next question, is that, you know, my little brother Scott tells me that Jack, who's a huge investigator in Atlanta, he gets so wrapped up sometimes that everything that he sees happen, he's going, what are they doing? What, what's going on? It just becomes this all encompassing. That's your new thought process is everybody's guilty until proven innocent, you know, as opposed to the right. other way around. Did that happen yeah. to you? Well, you know, yeah, it, it did. And, and the thing that intrigued me so much about the FBI, and a lot, I always get asked this question is, so what does it like? It's, is it like TV? Mm-hmm. And, and well, you know, consider this. First of all, when you watch TV, I mean, any kind of crime show or show about sure. doctors, there's time, there's so much time compression. Everything gets squeezed down into 60 minutes or mm-hmm. whatever the form. Um, and so, you, you know, things are stretched out much longer in real life. But the, the, the fact that we're still working those cases, I mean, those cases that they have on these shows are based on, in many cases, real life things that have happened. Sure. And not every day is as exciting as a TV show. But I have to tell you, Van, not, there's not one day that I went to work as an FBI agent and was bored. I mean, I always had something new, exciting to do, to, to work on. There was other stuff going on in my office that I got involved in with other cases. And it was, I didn't have one bad day working for the FBI. And what I didn't want in a job, in a career, is to just be in that, you know, those doldrums where you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Every sure. day, the FBI was different every single day. And that's what was exciting uh, to me about it. And, it, you know, going out, interviewing people, meeting all sorts of people, everything from the dirt, scum of the earth, drug dealer, gang member type thing. It's all the way to uh, an hour later, you can be going to investigating a white collar crime case and interviewing the CEO of a Fortune 500 company just sitting in his office. And you always get a response when you call up. When I worked for Xerox, you know, you try to get in with a customer to show them about <laughs> fancy new and like, click. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is Jeff Lanza with Xerox Corporation. Oh, right. this is not available right now. Yeah. You call up and you and and um, uh, you know three months later with the FBI. This is Jeff Lanza, special agent with the FBI. Oh, just a minute, I'll get Mr. Smith right. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. Hold on, let me change my shorts and I'll be right over. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you know that's the kind of um, things that that happens. And you it opened doors. Sure. But, but it, Excitement of doing something different every day. You're working on a on a kidnapping case. You're working on uh, you know white collar crime cases, computer crime cases, uh, you know human trafficking cases, and a lot of them take a long time. And yeah, and, yeah. And you work on you work on them for uh, you know weeks, if not months, sometimes. But it's so it's not as quick as TV, but it still is exciting, and it's uh, it was a very rewarding career for me. Nothing more rewarding, I think, than than taking a a person who's really hurting other people. You know, they're stealing money or they're hurting people physically or or contributing to societal societal problems and putting them in jail and stopping them what they're doing. Stop Mm -hmm. what stop them from doing what they're doing. Nothing more rewarding than that in my in my view. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in the career that, that I have and in the conversations you and I have had together, you know, doing lectures and stuff, you know, it's always been around ransomware and cyber attacks and those kinds of things, which are obviously very important. You know, that's that's the big focus of data today, because if they get a hold of that, they're you're out of business. You know, the other side of that, though, as you kind of walk through the different things that are there, 
a personal issue for me is the human trafficking stuff. I cannot get over some of the things I see in the headlines on a daily basis still today. And it's 2022 about how they put these people in a box car and they are so tight. They're dying as they're coming over the border. And this happens today. I, I just, it just, it's beyond me, Jeff. It really is. Yeah. Well, I tell people that, you know, slavery ended in this country in, in uh, 1865, and yet we still have it today. And uh, yeah. another, another term that I use that kind of makes people think for a minute, it's, hit, it's hidden in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So your next door neighbor who has, uh, you know, a cleaning person that they've uh, has come up from the Philippines and is working, but they're not paying them. They're not even giving them, you know, a standard wage of living. Uh, maybe they're putting, let, letting them stay in the backyard in a, in a tent, you know, uh, and I'm giving real life examples here. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And then there's this whole sex trafficking thing, which is what I worked on in Kansas city. We had a, <sighs> Jesus. a major one of those. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's <sighs> yeah. And, and then you go through like, even today when I travel and do these events, now that we're doing that again, I was in the Atlanta airport, uh, not too long ago, and they have posters all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. report, report what you suspect to be human trafficking, because they're taking those young girls from other parts of the world, and even the country, even in the United States, runaways, they'll take them to the, through the airports, and they'll bring them to places around uh, where they can, uh, you know, around the city, uh, and uh, major, major cities, and then they'll ask, they'll, they'll put them in, they'll put them to work, basically. So anyway, sad commentary on, 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 on life. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that just continues to just blow me away. It it really does. You know, I, I think too, you know, Jeff, all the things that are good that come out of what you do and all the things that you've done, you know, it, it kind of takes a special ability because me personally, and again, I'm, you know, stating just my personal thoughts, I would beat the hell out of those people, man. You know, and, and I know that that's something that obviously probably goes through your mind, like it would everyone else's, but at the same point in time, dealing with that, you know, and dealing with those people, it's like, I'm going to arrest you and take you down, you know, fine, wonderful. That's really not what they should have had done, you know? So again, my opinion, you know? Well, yeah, I know. I mean, well, if you, if you want to uh, get some of those frustrations out, you can watch that movie. Uh, the, well, there's several, several of them taken was it taken one. There's taken two, there's taken three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, What's his face? I can't think of the actor's name. Anyway, his daughter gets kidnapped and 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 put in a position of sexual slavery. And of course, he goes and rescues her in in uh, Paris and wherever she mm-hmm. was. At. Mm-hmm. Basically, kills about eighty people in the movie. <laughs> um, and, uh, very, Let's very, hope you're not taking I, out eighty people in a shot, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know he's tied up and he's he's impossible for him to make this escape, and somehow he's able to, and and at the same time kills all these other people have guns. He doesn't have anything. Somehow, amazingly, they end up dead, and and he's alive. So, so that's how you work those frustrations out. Because as a law enforcement officer, uh, you, you you can't, you know, you yeah, got to sure. In fact, I'd rather see him in jail than dead because that's going to be more painful experience for him. I I think. Yeah, no, long term, I agree with you. You know, and I, I want you to tell us a little bit about your book, Jeff. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to use this as a shameless plug because I've read it. I think it's great. Uh, tell me about that. I, you know, I've written two books. Uh, the first one, when I first retired from the FBI, uh, I, I I was a spokesman for the FBI in Kansas City, so mm-hmm. I just 
let me start. I got to start writing, writing a book. I got a blank piece of page, paper in front of me. What, what do I write about that I know that I know I can do a good uh, job on it? And the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, was I did an interview on Larry King uh, back when there was a major kidnapping case. And, and, I, and it was kind of a f- funny story as it relates to the, you know, not to, not to the case, but to his interview. No, I got you. And yeah. so I just started writing stuff out. And then it became a chapter. And I said, well, let me write about communication and, and, and tie this into, you know, how, how uh, people communicate uh, across the board, not just with the media, right? So that was my first book. And then I said, I got to write something that I go out and give speeches on, and that is cybercrime. But I wanted mm. to make a book for people that, you know, that my main audiences and a lot of my events are people that are, you know, susceptible to phishing emails and, and some of the tricks that you may get over sure. the phone online. And, you know, so I kind of wrote it uh, for them, what to look out for, how to keep your bank account safe, how to keep your credentials safe, how to use passphrases instead of passwords and mm-hmm. you know, just like that. And it's an easy read. And it's, I think it's for anybody, anybody that has that, uh, you know, has any questions about what's going on in the world of cyber attacks against individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe for this audience listening today, it might be for them or for family members that are mm-hmm. always doing things like clicking in the wrong place, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I think it's a great book for you guys who are listening out here to slide into your child's backpack as they're going off to college. Seriously, you know, um, you know, there's a, a link off of Jeff's website, which is the Lanza Group, and I'll have that at the end of the podcast here um, where you can find these. But, you know, Jeff's dead on. You know, it's the little things that you don't think about. Again, you know, Jeff and I work in that environment and I work in the data side of it all day long and we see this stuff all the time. Your kids may not. Your kids may not know IT from, you know, it from the Adams family, you know, but this will teach them what to look out for and what to be safe from. So go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, just a perfect example of a college student mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. is a girl that, um, you know, she was selling something on, online on a, you know, posted on Craigslist, I believe. Yeah. And it was like, uh, you know, I forget what it even was actually. Uh, but it was like a couple hundred bucks and, uh, she got immediate response and the person sent her a cashier's check for, uh, $2,200. Uh, and he, you know, he communicates with her and says, Hey, I made a mistake. I sent, I sent, um, too much money. Uh, can you just go ahead and wire the money back to me? And, uh, you know, she goes to her bank, (laughs) it's a cashier's check. So the bank makes it, it, the bank makes it the funds available right away, even though it hasn't cleared yet, because it does look like a real cashier's check. Mm -hmm. And, and the money's sent. She wires it, and then about a week later, the the check doesn't clear, and she's down. She's out two grand. Um, so just, I mean, just tricks like that that yeah. affect all, people, but college students in particular who may not know about these kind of things. True, it, it and it really is. And you know, I think the benefit of age, you know, gets past a lot of that stuff. And also, and for all my students that are listening, and my children who are out there as well, you know. Because you're 20 doesn't mean you know everything. <laughs> Let me just share that. I'm sorry to break your bubble, but uh, that's where we're going with that. <laughs> who, who is the most famous person that you have met or interviewed that you can talk about? I don't want you to share anything you shouldn't, Jeff. Uh, well, uh, in, in the, in, I'll just tell you, uh, uh, not an FBI uh, interview, sure. But I, I'm a, I'm, again, growing up uh, in the '60s and then the '70s, uh, I was a big fan of uh, you know several TV shows. One of them was The Odd Couple with Jack Klugman and Tony Randall. Yeah, um, 
uh, you know, those guys, I just love that show. I've probably seen yeah. every episode about 15 times, you know, in college, watching those things in the afternoons when they're reruns. And mm-hmm. anyway, so, um, Jack Klugman was in town. Uh, he's, he's passed away now, but this was a few years back and he was doing mm-hmm. an interview on one of the local radio stations. And I had a, um, he was promoting his book and I, and I had a, uh, you know, an in with that radio station cause they interviewed me all the time. Sure. And yeah. I, said, I come over and, and meet Jack Klugman and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. So I got over there. I got to meet him, got my picture taken with him. I put it out on Facebook. And then I started talking to the guy about, 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 you know, he's very interested in the FBI. He, and then we started talking about, you know, the mob and gambling. And he had a reputation in the show that was part of the plot that he used to go to the horse track all the time. And of course he'd lose all his money. And uh, yeah. anyway, so he talked to me about the horse racing and, and some of the bets and places he'd go and, and you know, stories about racing and betting on, betting on horse races. And Man, uh, how cool is that? True yeah. to life. I mean, true to the story. His character was true to life as well. That yeah, is good, so funny. Super nice guy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of parallels, you know, Jeff, obviously you and I grew up in the same exact era, you know, sixties and seventies and, and all those kinds of things. Cause everything we've talked about, I'm like, going, Oh yeah. I remember getting up cause we didn't have a remote control. I was the remote control. Let me go to channel six. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? That day in our lives when we actually had to get up off the couch to change the channel, yeah, yeah. right? We uh, had, I was talking to one of the guys the other day who's was telling me about collecting vinyl. Well, <coughs> excuse me. We had two Zenith. Okay. One was a Zenith television and it was this console that was like the size of my desk. It weighed 4,000 pounds, right? Sue got three channels. That was it. If you didn't have an antenna, it was done. And then in the living room where my mom had every piece of furniture covered up because you couldn't sit on it unless maybe the Pope was coming, you know, we had a turntable that was in a Zenith cabinet, which also weighed 4,000 pounds, but they were two completely separate things. And now- it's this, you know, everything I do is digital on this device, right? I know. Yeah. I know. And uh, yeah. And we are, you know, and the people that are growing up in this generation, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't appreciate all that, all that stuff, black and white yeah. TV. I, we always had trouble getting the vertical hold on yeah. our TV. You know, those black lines would keep going up and up and yeah, each, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You thought you had it and then the vertical hold would go crazy again. Anyway. Yeah. Just, yes. But that <laughs> we didn't know any different at the time. No, it was all we knew, Jeff. I remember. Yeah. I talk about him. I, it, you know, it cracks me up. I talk to him all the time now and I'm like, you know, we don't do bottled water, man. It was drink out of the hose, buddy. You're not going to die. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> Right. right. Well, <laughs> listen, as, as we kind of take this down the road, I, you know, one of the things that I, that I absolutely wanted to ask and, and let you share was kids, you know, again, my youngest is in his third year, you know, what kind of career advice would you give boy, girl, man, woman, doesn't matter about someone who's looking to start their career. And it doesn't matter what it is. What's some career advice you would share, Jeff, with your experience? Yeah, well, I would say, uh, Van, in a, in a more in a more general sense, and I'll talk about careers in a minute. But yeah, uh, you know, understand. And, and at twenty, we we don't no one. I don't think no one has that 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 yeah. street yeah to really make these good decisions. And I was very lax at days ago. When I was young, it's just like oh, whatever happens, happens. Uh, you don't need goals. It's good. The, the, the world's going to take me in the right direction. It, ter- it turns out I got lucky and finally filed filed found what I wanted to do, based on my childhood ambitions. Right, and sure. it worked. But I would just say this for, for, for anybody thinking about 
career choices and life choices, you know, 90% of your satisfaction in life is going to come from two things, the person you marry and also your job. So pick those jobs carefully and pick your person you're going to marry very carefully. <laughs> 90% of your satisfaction is coming, I believe, is coming from that. But mm. that doesn't mean you have to pick a job that you think you're going to have the rest of your life because people move yeah. around, you find things. Uh, it may be a dead-end job. It may be something where you can't get further uh, further than as far as, far as you want to go. And of course, you make changes and you make adjustments. Hopefully, you don't do that with a marriage, right? Sure. Yeah, no <laughs> but, kidding. But, but decide if you want what's motivating to you as for a job, for a career, right? Do you want to make a lot of money or do you want to have do something that you think is very valuable to the world? Not to be corny, but yeah. uh, or, you know, or maybe do something where you can, where you can have both, um, you know, decide what's important to you and, and, and then kind of figure out how you can um, reach that level of importance and satisfaction and, and self-actualization with your skills that we've been given uh, with the job, right? Because mm-hmm. I think the same thing that's more frustrating is that you're in a job p- position and you're not utilizing the skills that you have, whether it Absolutely. be you know, yeah. brain mm-hmm. power or any type mm-hmm. of physical skills that you have. And I think that's what's most frustrating for people. And they end up 30, 30 35 years down the road and go, ah, I just, you know, I could have done something different. So, uh, um, think about how you can actualize your God-given talents and abilities in, in a in a career. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, I I I've had this conversation with so many people. You know, recording the podcast and and chatting with the folks, and um, I think being happy is one of the things that we try to stress with ours now is that like, you know, yeah, you can make money, you can do these things, but you know, you could sell on a pot of gold 10 foot high, but if every day you wake up and you hate what you do, you hate where you are, you hate what's going on. What have, what have you accomplished? Probably nothing, you know, probably nothing. I mean, after 30, just like you, the years you spend as an agent, you know, after doing this for 30 some odd years, I still love doing IT. I love it. I just love it. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate now that uh, being at Cloudian is a place that the technology is over the moon. The people are wonderful. And those things matter to me at the end of the day. I can pick up the phone and go, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And we get honest answers. It's not the political you know, correct crap that you hear all the time, you know, it's nice. And you could tell from, you know, in my interactions with you that you really love your work, but, and, but it all across the board, man, we, I mean, we've worked together and we've done events and and we've met people at these events and, and, and that are involved in the various aspects of their business. And you could Mm -hmm. tell the ones that really love their job. Oh yeah. And and the ones that are just there, you know, going through the motions, you know, yeah. Yeah. Having ha- loving it and being happy, I think, is uh, is 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 what you sh- we should all aspire to. Find something that you love, and p- it's going to show every day. And you're not going to dread getting up and going to work. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jeff, thanks so much. As as we tie this up, uh, please share your website for these folks since they can't see us. Spell it for us, and I'll oh, make sure that I get it in the description for us. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's just it's very simple. It's just my name. Uh, and it's the, the, but it's not actually just my name. Let me start that again. It's, <laughs> the, so T H E as in the, and then it's my name, Lanza group, G R O U P. It sounds like a big organization. It's actually just one person. Yeah. So it's the Lanza group.com. And uh, check out my website for uh, videos of me speaking. If you haven't heard enough of me today, 
I'm just, I bet you're just dying to go out there and see some videos of me talking some more. <laughs> I've got a couple of great videos of Jeff and I talking about cybercrime and uh, ransomware and those kinds of things. And they're out on my website as well. So, but uh, you know, all my listeners, thanks so much for the questions that you send. Thanks so very much for your suggestions. Uh, I'm going to ask Jeff back at another time and we'll do some other things. Um, but for sure, uh, keep those coming. And, and again, we really appreciate your time and the feedback that we get. Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us today. You, as always, are a true pleasure. Oh, thanks so much, Van. I appreciate it. And have a good day. Thank you so much. You do the same. Okay.